One of my memories growing up is that our family always had a garden and some fruit trees in our backyard. And to make sure that none of the food was uh, ever wasted, my mother would do some canning. She would try to preserve the green beans and the peaches and all those other fruits and vegetables by taking that food and putting it in some glass jars. Now, my mother understood that if you didn't want the food to spoil or become contaminated with any kind of bacteria before you put the food in the jars, you've got to sterilize the jars. So again, one of my memories growing up is seeing my mother there in the kitchen taking some mason jars and putting them in a pan of boiling water to make sure the jars are clean. Once she knew those jars were clean, now she could take the pears and the tomatoes and all that other good food and put them in the jars and seal them. But what if, what if she didn't do that? Imagine one afternoon my father comes home and he sees my mother standing there in the kitchen and she's putting those jars in that boiling water and he asks her, uh, what you doing, honey? Oh, I'm sterilizing jars. Well, why are you doing that? Oh, I, I just want to have some clean jars. Well, what are you going to do next? What do you mean, what am I going to do next? Well, what are you going to put in the jars? I'm not going to put anything in them. I just want to have some clean jars. Now, if my father heard that, he would be confused. What's the point of having the clean jars if you're not going to put something good and worthwhile in them? That's a question that the Bible asks, and it tries to answer here in the book of Ephesians. Here's what I mean. When God forgives us and takes away our sin, he makes us clean. But that's only one part of what it means to be saved. God takes the bad away from our lives, but he's taken it away, so now he can replace it with something good. God makes us clean because he wants to put something new on the inside of us. He wants to fill your life and my life with the life of Jesus. That's what we're going to read about in our scripture today. We're going to read about being filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, this is one of the main things the Holy Spirit does for us as Christians. Every day, slowly but surely, he's at work in your life and mine. But what is he trying to do? He wants to reproduce the life of Jesus in each one of us so that each one of us now begins to look like and act like Jesus too. Ben Kingsley is an actor. Uh, he's born and raised in England. He's been in the movies for years. I mean, you may have seen him in movies like Iron Man 3 or Schindler's List, or you may have seen him in some children's movies like Hugo. But his most famous role, and the one for which he won the Academy Award for Best Actor, was the movie Gandhi. It's the movie about that famous man from India who led his country to freedom way back in the year 1947. And Bing Kingsley was playing the lead role. He was playing the part of Gandhi. But in order to be... Gandhi. He had to get himself ready for that role. I mean, long before they tried to film that picture, Ben Kingsley spent months and months and months changing his diet so he could alter his physical appearance. And he spent months and months and months working on his voice so that he could alter his accent so that when the movie started, he would look like and sound like Gandhi. He spent months and months and months reading about Gandhi and studying his life and trying to appreciate this man's heart and why he did what he did so that once he stood in front of that camera, now you could sense the very spirit and character of Gandhi coming through his personality too. And he played the part well. I mean so well that when they were filming the picture, one day Ben Kingsley was taking a break from a scene and he was approached by a peasant woman from a nearby village there in India. And this woman came up and knelt down in front of him and began to kiss his feet as though he were Gandhi himself. Ben Kingsley was totally embarrassed by this and he immediately reached down and raised the woman up and said, Ma'am, I'm not Gandhi. I'm only an actor. And the woman said, I know that. 
But the reason why I am so grateful for you is because now through you, Gandhi's going to come to life again. And now other people are going to get a chance to see what that man was really like. Well, the Bible tells us that's why God saved us. He wants to renew and restore his image in your life and mine. See, we were made in the image of God, but over the years, that image, that likeness has been corrupted and distorted because of our sin. So Jesus came to this world. Number one, he came to the world to show us what the image of God is really like in all of its fullness and all of its perfection. So now we could see and appreciate how glorious that image is. But number two, Jesus came to the world not just to show us something. Jesus came to the world to do something for us, to save us. So through his death on the cross, now it's been made possible. Now all our sins can be forgiven. Now we can be made clean. And now because of his resurrection, now we have the hope and promise of being able to live a brand new life. Because now with the gift of the Holy Spirit, who is God working in us, now here is God recreating his image in your life and in mine. And that's what our scripture today is all about. Take a look at this with me. Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to begin with verse 15. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15 says, be careful, be very careful in how you live. This word, careful, akrobos, it's a word that means you do things with precision. You do it accurately. You pay attention to every one of the details. In fact, sometimes this word, rather than being translated careful, sometimes in your Bibles it will be translated thoroughly because you never overlook anything. You're never sloppy or reckless in how you try to live your life. You're never thoughtless or haphazard in how you approach things or how you try to handle things. And when I hear that, I'm convicted. I mean, how many of us can look back on our lives and see all the trouble we got into, all that trouble that we got ourselves into because we weren't being careful? I mean, do you ever have trouble sleeping at night because you can't stop thinking about some of the dumb things you once did? Stuff that you hope that nobody else ever finds out about, like the cars you wish you'd never bought, or like the invitations you wish you'd never accepted, like the emails you wish you'd never sent, like the phone calls you wish you'd never made or never returned, like the contracts you wish you'd never signed. And what was the problem with all those bad decisions? We weren't being careful. You know, maybe it was just the emotions. We got overwhelmed with emotions. We just kind of got caught up in the moment. And we didn't take the time to really think things through. 300 horsepower, five bedrooms, a 40% return, no money down. Oh, my, are you kidding me? I can't pass this up. And yet six months later, we look back on that purchase we made or that deal that we signed, and now we're just filled with regret. Oh, oh how could I have been so dumb, so blind, so foolish? I wish I'd never done that. How do you keep that from happening again? How do you learn to be careful? Well, the Bible spells it out for us. Look at the last part of verse 15. It says, don't be unwise. Learn to be wise. Here's what the Bible's telling us. It's never enough as a Christian. It's never enough for you to ask yourself this question. Hey, is there anything wrong with this? You know, obviously, if there's something wrong with this. You shouldn't be doing it. But as, as a Christian, if you really want to be like Jesus, the Bible says you need to take this a step further. Even if there's nothing illegal, immoral, or unethical about what you're considering doing it, rather than just asking, okay, maybe there's nothing wrong with this, but you need to take it one step higher and ask, but is this really a wise thing for me to do? <laughs> one of the ways I try to help my wife is occasionally I will volunteer to go to the grocery store. Nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing to do. But over the years, I've learned it's not wise for me to head to the grocery store on an empty stomach. 
When I am hungry, everything in that store, man, it looks great. And I end up buying things that we really don't need. I mean, when my stomach's growling, I don't just purchase the items I find on my wife's grocery list. I buy a lot of other stuff, too. And I end up spending more money than what I should. So going to the grocery store is a good thing, but if I really want to be helpful, if I really want to be a wise steward of the resources that God has given to us, I've learned it's probably a good idea to bring my wife along to make sure we stay in our budget. Well, I need that kind of wisdom in every aspect of my life. Anytime I hear myself thinking, oh, this won't hurt anybody, or I'm only going to do it once, or hey, I haven't had any for a week, or I can quit whenever I want to. Anytime I hear myself thinking like that, I know right away I'm in trouble. I'm not being wise. I'm just making excuses to see how close I can get to sin without actually sinning. And the Bible says that kind of thinking grieves the Holy Spirit and it keeps me from being like Jesus. You see, the Bible's telling us here, don't just settle for what is good. Look for the best. Don't just ask yourself, hey, is there anything wrong with this? No. Take it a step further. Take it a step higher. Learn to ask, okay, maybe there's nothing wrong with this, but is this really a wise thing for me to do? And here's why we need to ask that question. Look at verse 16. It says, learn to make the most of every opportunity. There's a picture behind this phrase. What's being pictured here is a marketplace. You're, you're doing some shopping. You're, you're out looking for a bargain with a discerning eye. You want to find something that's valuable and worthwhile. But as you go out to the marketplace, you need to be careful because out here in the marketplace, there's some devious people who want to pull the wool over your eyes. They want to sell you something that's not good. So the Bible's telling us here, every day when you wake up and you get ready to step out in the world, you need to be aware as you step out there, you're going to be presented with all kinds of options and opportunities. But not all of those options and opportunities are, nece- are something that's necessarily good for you. So you've got to be careful what you buy into. Because it says here, the last part of that verse, because the days that we're living in, the days are evil. We are living in the kind of world where you don't have to go looking for trouble. The trouble's going to find you. We do not live in a morally neutral environment. No, this world that we're living in is just like your backyard. You know that grassy area where every night you open the door and you let your dog, dog out so he can do his thing? Which means from now on, when you step out in the backyard, you better be careful where you step or you're going to regret it. That's the kind of world we have. There's trouble everywhere. Trouble on your TV, trouble on your computer, trouble on your phone. And if you don't watch where you go, if you're not careful in what you do, you're going to stumble and fall. I love that old analogy. You've heard this. This old analogy of the Christian's relationship to the world is like a boat. It's good for the boat to be out in the water. I mean, that's what it was made for. The boat is made to be out in the water. But it's a bad thing when too much water gets in the boat. Well, so it is for a Christian. We should be out in the world. That's what God wants. He sent us there. He wants us to be out there and be an influence in others. We are called to be light. But while we're out in the world, we need to be careful that not too much of the world gets into us. So the Bible warns us, verse 17, It says here, do not be foolish, but learn to be wise. Well, how do you learn to be wise? Well, here's the answer. Understand. Come to understand what God wants for us. And part of what God wants is he wants to help us. God knows we need help help if we're going to be careful in how we live. And so God provides that help through his Holy Spirit. Let me give you this picture. Some of you heard me share this before. It's a true story. A young man was heading off for college, leaving home for the very first time, and he was so excited. 
man, I can't wait to be out on my own just to do things for myself. And he's feeling confident and feeling strong. But that day, as he's leaving home, heading towards college, he's there on the bus, and he finds himself sitting next to a preacher. Well, during the course of the conversation, the preacher learns that this young man is a Christian. So he asks him, hey, you ready? Are you ready for all the challenges you're going to be facing on that college campus? You know there's going to be temptations there like you have never encountered before. Are you prepared for this? And the young man very boldly said, I am. I'm ready. I can handle anything. And the preacher kind of pulled back and said, really? Do you mind if I show you something? And the young man says, no, go ahead. So the preacher pulls his Bible out of his backpack, and then he pulls his pencil out of his pocket. And he says, you know, this road we're on right now is kind of bumpy. You notice that our ride here in the bus, it's not been very smooth, right? Yeah, it hadn't been very smooth. Do you think on this bumpy ride I can get this pencil to stand up on this book and stand up so it won't fall? And the young man said, no, no way. The preacher said, but let me try. And so the preacher held the pencil on the Bible. The young man said, wait a minute. You didn't tell me you were going to hold the pencil with your hand. And the preacher said, well, have you ever seen a pencil stand up on its own? No, a pencil cannot stand up by itself. And what's true for that pencil is also true for you. Young man, if God doesn't have a hold of your life, if you're not staying in the grip of his grace, you're doomed. You will fail. Well, that's exactly what the Bible's teaching here. Notice verse 18. It says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Debauchery means where you become reckless and careless. Do not allow yourself to be placed under the influence of anyone or anything that's going to cause you to lose control. That could be alcohol. That could be drugs. That could be watching the evening news. That could be joining a fraternity that parties too much. Don't allow anyone or anything to persuade you or pull you or talk you into doing something that's foolish or wicked or wrong or destructive. Instead... Learn to place yourself under the influence and leadership of God's Holy Spirit. Think of it like this. Every moment of every day, every moment of every day, we're surrounded by air. It's just always there. It's always around us. But the air does not become breath until you open your mouth and you inhale with your nose. And now what's out there can enter into your lungs and now it becomes something good and helpful for you. Every day there's something good around us, but before it can come in, we have to make the effort to open ourselves up to it. And as we open ourselves up, now what's good out there can come in here and it becomes a benefit to us as well. Well, the question is, how do we open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit so that he now becomes the main influence in our lives? Well, the Bible answers that question. Verses 19 and 20. It says, speaking to one another, that's fellowship. And by fellowship, the Bible means you've got to get involved in deep relationships with other Christians who are serious about following Jesus. So now those other Christians can begin to speak into your life. Now they can, they can encourage you and they can challenge you and they can teach you and they can inspire you. But the speaking to one another is not just what happens in fellowship. It also happens in worship. It says, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. See, worship is not just a vertical thing. We offer our praise to God. That's true. But the Bible says worship is also to be a horizontal thing. I can't just worship God by myself. 
I need to be in the presence of brothers and sisters in Christ because as I hear them worship, as I hear them offer their praise, I'm being reminded of who God is and what he's really like. As I pay attention to the words that they're singing, now my faith is being fed. Have you ever noticed how every one of your friends, every one of them, has this unique ability to pull something out of you that nobody else can? You know, you have this one friend who just loves to gossip. And you learn, you discover that as you hang out, you spend any kind of time with that person, you find yourself wanting to gossip too, wanting to criticize others and pronounce judgment on them. But then you have this other friend who just hates to gossip. And you've noticed that when you hang out with them, that need, that desire to gossip, it just kind of disappears. Every one of your friends has this knack for pulling something out of you. Some people have the knack for drawing out the best in you. Other people have the knack for drawing out the worst in you. Which means, with every one of our relationships, we need to step back and ask ourselves, how is this friendship affecting me? Is it pulling me in the right direction or is it pulling me in the wrong direction? Is this relationship helping me become more and more the person that God wants me to be? Or is this friendship pushing me further and further away from the Lord? Well, the Bible says here, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, then you, you need... You need to place yourself in the, in, in the company of, uh, you need to be a part of a church, an active part of the church. You need to place yourself where you're spending a lot of time with other Christians who are serious about following Jesus. Because when you put yourself in that atmosphere, in that kind of environment, now the Holy Spirit has the freedom to really influence your life. Then the Bible will mention two other ways that we can open ourselves up to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. It says there in the latter part of verse 9, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Meaning, don't just worship God on Sunday. Learn to worship God every day of the week. That expression, from the heart, means with your whole being, with all of your life. And then a last, last way uh, that we, we open ourselves up to the influence of the Holy Spirit is in verse 20, when every day we learn to practice gratitude. Always, it says, always giving thanks to God the Father in every situation in the name of the Lord Jesus. Andrew Murray once put it like this. He said, a pencil was made to write. That's its function. That's its purpose. It was made to write. But in order for the pencil to fulfill its purpose, it must surrender itself to my hand. It must allow me to hold it. It must allow me to use it. If somebody else has a hold of this pencil, I can't write with it. If I want to use this pencil to draw a picture or write a note or communicate something meaningful to a friend, then this pencil must be in my hand and under my control. So ask yourself, is, does God really have his hand on my life? Am I really living under the Lord's control? I mean, think about it. Who's pulling and tugging on your heart right now? Who has a hold of your mind? Who's the primary influence upon your life right now? Is it obvious from the words I speak and the choices that I make that I am living in the grip of God's grace? Or does somebody else have a hold of my heart? Let's pray. God, we're so grateful for the gift of the Holy Spirit, His presence, His work in our life. So grateful for the help that he can provide. God, today we recognize we need that help. We want that help. So God, today we open up our hearts to you and pray that your Holy Spirit will help us to follow Jesus. May it be your Holy Spirit who helps us to live a life that is pleasing to you.
And God, we pray for this help in Jesus' name.